For God speaks in one way and then He speaks in another, but man does not perceive it. I want to talk to you this morning about God speaking to us. Hearing the voice of God. I have 18 scriptures for the screen this morning. It's more than I have ever used in any given message. And so, um, number one, my entire notes are in the app. Number two, if you are a note taker, I would encourage you to write down the references, but you're going to have a hard time flipping and following as I run through 18 uh, passages this morning. If you've noticed the notes, I have 10 points. I've never preached a message with 10 points. And so, uh, it's just going to be a fast-moving message this morning, and you will get the most out of it if you just pay attention. Every scripture that I uh, reference or at least read is going to be up on the screen for you. And so with that said, let's get started. I want to talk to you about hearing the voice of God. The first time that we ever see God speak to mankind is in Genesis chapter 1. I think that's important. Genesis chapter 1. This is the beginning of the Bible. Verses 28 through 30 says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree and seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to every thing that creeps on the earth, Everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. The first time we have any record of God speaking to mankind, He is giving Adam and Eve direction. He tells them what their instructions are. It's fair to say He blesses them. He tells them, you have authority, and I've, here's what I've given you to eat, and I want you to subdue the earth, and, and I, want, I, I want you to do these things the very first record we have of God speaking to mankind, and then in Genesis chapter 2, we have the second time that God addresses mankind in verses 16 and 17, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day that you eat of it you shall surely die." The second time that we have God speaking to man, we have God telling man what not to do. Now, we're going to come back to this later. This is where we tend to get it wrong, people, is when God tells us what not to do. Everybody wants the word from God. Everybody wants direction. They want God's favor. They want God's blessing. They want God to speak a word, speak a word, speak a word. But you will find that God most often speaks a word of warning in our lives before He speaks a word of blessing. Now, what I want you to see this morning during this introduction is that God's original design for His relationship with us was a relationship where we walked and talked with God and God walked and talked with us. This was the design. There was no distance. 
between God and Adam and, and Eve, and there, there, there was this great relationship. They just walked with one another. There was, it was perfect. And then God said, don't do this. And Adam and Eve said, we know what God said, but we're going to do it our way. And they sinned against God. They broke God's law. They did the one thing God told them, don't do this. Consequently, death entered the world. Distance between man and God began. By the time Noah rolls around, the earth is so wicked that for the most part, God has to destroy the entire thing except for just Noah and his family. And all of a sudden, this great relationship where God walks and talks with men and women, it's just kind of void from the Scriptures for a while. And then, God comes to Abraham. He appears to Abraham, and He tells Abraham that He's going to make this great nation out of him, and that all the nations of the earth will be blessed through Abraham. And we see God begin this process of restoring the relationship that He originally created man to have with God. When we see God speaking with Abraham, here's what we see. We see God speaking to men. Over the next 500 years, God would speak to Jacob, Isaac, Joseph, Moses. Now, the number of times God would speak to them was not a lot. In fact, sometimes there was decades that went between any record of God speaking to these men. But God did speak to them. And then, if you'll remember, God meets Moses at the, at the burning bush and speaks to him through the burning bush. And he tells Moses, I want you to go and I want you to talk to Pharaoh and I want you to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And after a series of horrendous plagues, Pharaoh eventually says, get out of here to the people of Israel. And the people of Israel leave Egypt. God leads them out of slavery and God begins to reveal Himself to mankind in a new way. You'll remember two specific things. Number one, they were led by a cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night. There was this manifest, glorious presence of God that led them. And then we see in Exodus chapter 25 where God gives Moses the instructions to build the Ark of the Covenant. Look what he says concerning the Ark of the Covenant. There I will meet with you and from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim that are on the Ark of the Testimony, I will speak with you about all that I will give you in commandment for the people of Israel. So the Ark of the Covenant became this manifest place where the presence of God was there. And everywhere that the Ark of the Covenant went, that's where the presence and power of God went with the people of God. The Ark of the Covenant was ultimately placed in the Holy of Holies and the veil was in front of it and only the high priest could go into that ark, into the Holy of Holies once a year to sprinkle blood on the mercy seat and it was there in the Holy of Holies for a significant chunk of time that the presence of God was there. 
Here we have a greater revelation of God. It's not just God speaking to men, but God dwelling with men permanently, with them, leading them, guiding them, and directing them. We see really the fulfillment of God with man when God sent His Son to come to earth and Jesus was born of a virgin. You know, one of His names was Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus lived the perfect life for 33 years, began His ministry at 30, and by the time He was 33, the world hated Him so much they wanted Him crucified. Jesus was nailed to a cross, and you will remember one of the things that happened when Jesus was nailed to the cross just before he died, the Bible says the veil was torn in two from the top to the bottom. Now that veil is what uh, kept people out, if you will, from the Holy of Holies. It was basically the door to the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was, where the presence of God was. When Jesus dies, that is torn apart, symbolizing all of us now have access to God. I want you to see this with me. God is progressively revealing to mankind His desire to be with us. But it didn't stop there. Then we have Acts chapter 2. And in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit is poured out on the church. And they begin doing miracles that could only be done by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says they begin to speak in various tongues. It says that everybody there heard in their own language. And then it says that some people looked around and said, what's going on? Are these people drunk? And this was Peter's response. No, what you're seeing is the fulfillment of the prophet Joel. This is God pouring out His Spirit upon His sons and daughters and indwelling His children. In Acts chapter 2, we have this even greater revelation of God's desire to be with us, right? We have with Abraham, God speaking to men. And then we have the Ark of the Covenant where God reveals that He dwells with us. But in Acts chapter 2, we see that God lives in his sons and daughters. Now, the absolute fulfillment of us living in perfect communion with God is going to happen in glory. It's going to happen in heaven. It's going to happen when we get glorified bodies. This morning, what I want you to see by way of introduction is that it is unmistakably biblically true that God speaks to his sons and daughters. Anybody that tells you different is a liar. And believe it or not, there are a lot of people that call themselves Christians and Bible teachers who try to tell you God doesn't still speak. Yes, He does. He absolutely does. His desire is for us to know Him. His desire is that we hear Him. And what's Job chapter 33 tell us? God speaks. He speaks one way and He speaks another way. The problem isn't that God doesn't speak. The problem is that we're not hearing One analogy that I could give is that of um, a, you know, like a radio. Right now, there's probably 20 or more frequencies 
running through this building, and if I had a radio up here, I could tune it this way or that way, and all of a sudden we would hear the frequency. That frequency is here right now. You just can't hear it. I can't hear it because we're not tuned into it. The same thing is true about hearing the voice of God. It's not that God isn't speaking or that God doesn't speak to His sons and daughters anymore. It's that we are not tuned in, brothers and sisters. We haven't been trained how to hear the voice of God. But God speaks to us. Look what Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verses 11 through 12, concerning the Holy Spirit. He said, When they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you would defend yourself or what you would say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. He said, one of the goals of the Holy Spirit, one of the functions of the Holy Spirit, is to teach us what to say in the hour it needs to be said. And absolutely not, a thousand times no, this does not only apply to the disciples that he's talking to. Think about Acts chapter 7 with Stephen, one of the, you know, the first martyr. The Bible teaches us he was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave, in my opinion, the greatest death speech that's ever been recorded. Just before he died, just before he was martyred, you go read Acts chapter 7. I pray that when I come and face my death, I have the same boldness to face it as did Stephen. I think about Philip. How many times the Bible tells us he was filled with the Holy Spirit. I think about Paul and we see times that God spoke through him. Brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit teaches us. I say all of this to show the clear path of God's holy word that the scriptures do declare that God speaks to us. This is one of the greatest benefits of salvation is God speaking to us. What an awesome thought that the eternal, almighty, all-powerful God, He speaks to you individually and personally. Man, that is awesome. And there can be no true intimate relationship without learning to hear and decipher the voice of God. You know, as easy it is for us as Christians to pray, the truth is that most Christians have a hard time hearing His voice. And this is not the way God intended it to be. Learning to hear the voice of God is invaluable. One word from God can change your life. Change your marriage. Change your mess. Change your direction. Notice in John chapter 10, and I don't have this verse up here because it's, it's a big chunk of Scripture, but if you're a note taker, note, note John chapter 10. In John chapter 10, the first like seven to eight verses, Jesus gives this parable or an analogy of a shepherd and his sheep. And when he's giving the analogy, he says this about the shepherd and the sheep. He says, basically, the sheep know the shepherd's voice. They won't be led astray by another shepherd. That the sheep hear the shepherd's voice. And then when he explains the analogy, he says, I am the shepherd. Well, you put those two together and really here's some, I mean, Jesus said this straight out, his sheep hear his voice. 
Now that's good news. Here's what it means. It means if you are a child of God, you hear the voice of God. You just might not know it. You might have mistaken it for a handful of different things. You might be too busy to tune in and hear it. But you need to know God speaks to His sons and daughters. What I want us to look at today is five practical ways to know the voice of God. You want to hear the voice of God better? I cannot think of anything that would actually impact us as a congregation more than if all of us learned to hear the voice of God. You want to know how to hear the voice of God better? Let's look first at five practical ways to hear the voice of God. Now, first of all, before I get to point one, you have to be saved. You've got to be a Christian for anything that I'm about to preach to have great application to you. There's no promise. In fact, the Bible tells us God doesn't even hear the prayer of the wicked, that the prayer of the wicked is an abomination to God. That's what it says. I mean, it is kind of silly for the wicked to pray. They don't think God's worth serving, but then in their time of need, they're going to ask God to do something on their behalf. That's foolishness. No wonder it's an abomination to God. The first prayer that God wants to hear from the sinner is a prayer of repentance, a prayer of asking for forgiveness, a prayer of turning to God. So you have to be saved. Once you're saved, and that's who this message is really for this morning, is the child of God who has grown to the place of either having a difficult time hearing God, or maybe, honestly, you're not sure if you've ever heard God speak, and that's fine. I want to give you some practical ways to hear the voice of God. Number one this morning, be still. Look what Psalm 46 and verse 10 says. It's a really short, simple verse. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. He says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. God will be exalted. God's going to do what God's going to do. But if you want to hear the voice of God, you've got to learn to be still. It is in the stillness, not the busyness, that we tune our spiritual ears to hear the voice of God. This is one of the primary reasons that Christianity, at least here in this fast-paced culture, and many of the other fast-paced cultures of current era of time that we live in, this is why Christianity has become so cold. We are too busy to tune into God. We don't have time to be still. And so we try to sneak God in or fit God in to the tiny window of time that we have. I had a dear brother who is also a pastor that was really struggling with just his intimacy with God. He's bivocational and had to work full time trying to pastor as well on the side. And we had a conversation. It's one of the things you just want to know. How do you stay close? How do you stay intimate? This is my simple advice to him. He needed to take 10 minutes a day to park down a road on some dirt, you know, dirt road where nobody was at and just put down his tailgate and sit in silence for 10 minutes. It starts there. You remember Jesus, most of the time when his ministry would get um, to places where it was kind of overwhelming when he was making huge decisions, getting ready to figure out the 12 disciples, call them out by name, and, and, and 
all of the, the so a lot of the major times in Jesus' life where there's a lot going on, you'll see that he would withdraw to a secluded place. Sometimes it says he would get up a long time before the sun came up. Sometimes it says he would pray a long ways into the night. Sometimes it just tells us he would withdraw to a secluded place. This is Jesus. I mean, if Jesus, 2,000 years ago, now I know that he was flocked with people, but seriously, no cars, no cell phones, no internet, no super, super fast-paced life that we all live in here in 2021. If Jesus himself had to draw away and be still and get to the quiet place, how much more do we? I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, you want to learn to hear the voice of God, you must, it's an absolute must, you must learn the discipline of finding a place to be still on a regular basis. Number two, come to church regularly. You know, there are some people that are so busy they can't make regular church attendance a part of their lives. Look what Romans chapter 10, verses 14 through 17 teaches. How then will they call on Him, on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says... Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. A couple things I want to point out about this passage. Notice, number one, it mentions Isaiah. This is, follow me for a minute, it's significant that it actually mentions Isaiah. Because the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, had been written now. People had access to the scriptures. So, a thousand times, no. Just because you read the Bible doesn't mean you don't need to go to church. People who say, I read the Bible so I don't need to go to church, it's just proof you don't actually read the Bible. No, you don't. You don't. You're a liar. At least you don't read much of it. The Bible tells us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. The Bible teaches us right here that God sends preachers. That God sends teachers. And it's not just right here. We see it in Ephesians chapter 4. that God actually gives these ministry teachers to the church to equip the church. Now that doesn't mean that you're incapable of understanding the Bible yourself. What it means is that there is a certain type of people that God anoints, that He calls, that He sends, whatever you, however you want to say it, that God Himself gives to the church to teach us the Scriptures. People whose lives are devoted to studying this and rightly teaching it. You need to be part of a healthy, well-balanced, Bible-believing church with pastors and teachers who are teaching the Word of God. And Romans 10 asks the question, how are you really going to know without God sending someone to teach you? 
We need, you want to hear the voice of God. You want to be a Christian who lives a life where you are tuned in to hearing the voice of God. I'm just telling you that church attendance is going to, it's going to have to be a part of your life. You know, the last year has been really difficult with COVID. And I am, I'm thankful that we have uh, social media. I'm thankful that we can broadcast. We are broadcasting live right now. I'm thankful for it. I think that it's, it can be a helpful tool. But it's not the same as church attendance. It's not. There's not anybody watching online that has any idea what it felt like to sit in here when we were all singing together and hear the beautiful voices of everybody singing. You missed it. You know, I look at, and again, I say it, COVID's been difficult. But I look at the book of Acts, which is really a blueprint for God's design for the church. And I wonder to myself, how many first century Christians would have set out of church for an entire year because they were afraid they might get sick, even deathly sick? And I I say to you who are ever listening, when you look at the book of Acts and you look at the way the first century church lived, you look at the way the average believer was committed to the things of God, where do you fit there? God speaks one way and He didn't speak another, but we don't perceive it. I'm telling you something. You want to be in tune with God, you want to hear the voice of God in your life, you're going to have to learn to be still. Number two, you need regular church attendance. Number three, read the Bible alone as by yourself. It's good to read the Bible publicly. We're reading a lot of the Bible together this morning. That's good. It's good to read the Bible with your husband or your wife or, or your children. There's nothing wrong with reading the Bible in groups. But if you want to learn to hear the voice of God, you must read the Bible alone. By yourself. Open it up. God absolutely will not speak much. I would not say never. But I will say God will not speak much if you don't read His Word. Why would He? It doesn't make sense. God would go through the process of putting together this incredible, supernatural book to guide us and direct us, to reveal Himself to us, to teach us the way, to teach us what is right. It doesn't make any sense that He would give us this and then you neglect it and expect Him to speak to you some other way. You know why else you need to study the Word? Because God will never, ever, ever, ever tell you to do anything that doesn't line up with this book right here. Never. If you think God's telling you to do something that doesn't line up with this, you're wrong. Whatever you're hearing, whatever you're thinking is not God. You would be shocked the number of people who believe themselves to be Christians who have told me over the years that they're doing something God told them to do that just has absolutely no biblical merit whatsoever. You'd be shocked the number of people who get divorced based upon the general principle that God told them to get divorced because they're not happy. 
That's a demonic lie. God's never told anybody to get divorced because they're not happy. At least have enough integrity to be honest. That's not God you're listening to. We have this happy God of America that's all about my happiness. And we think God is some puppet who just wants to make me happy. So if I want it and it makes me happy, then it must be what God wants. God wants us to be happy, doesn't He? No, God wants us to be holy. I'll make no mistake about it. There is a time and place for divorce. Make no mistake about it. God Himself is the one who has given instructions for divorce, how to divorce. God acknowledges there's a time and place for divorce. I'm just telling you it's not whenever we decide we're not happy anymore and we think someone else will make us happy. And I'm telling you that there are a multitude of people who claim that God is telling them to do something that doesn't line up with this Word. That's why we need to be in the Word. That's why you need to be in it alone. You will find that God actually speaks to you most about the stuff in your personal life the way you think, the things you need to be doing differently, God speaks to you most through His Word, first and foremost. You know, another thought on this. Look what John 14, 26 says, what Jesus told us about the Holy Spirit. He said, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, look at this statement. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Here's the principle. Jesus said the Holy Spirit, once, once you get the Holy Spirit, He's going to remind you of the things you've heard and seen, of the things I've taught. Well, how can the Holy Spirit remind us of something we've never learned in the first place? He didn't say the Holy Spirit is going to teach you a bunch of new stuff, give you a bunch of new revelation. He just said the Holy Spirit is going to remind you of the things that, that you've heard. Now, if you're saved, you know there have been times that's happened in your life where it's like you, you, maybe you're talking to somebody, maybe you're praying for something in your life, and it's like this scripture comes to mind. You might not have actually remembered reading that thing for two years. And it's like all of a sudden, phew, that verse, it's like where did that come from? I'll tell you where it came from, the Helper. The Holy Spirit who reminds you of the Word of God. So God speaks to us, or excuse me, I'm not even on how God speaks to us yet. Practical ways to hear the voice of God, be still, come to church regularly, read the Bible alone. Number four, pray alone. Again, nothing wrong with praying corporately, nothing wrong with praying with your family, but you have got to start in that place where you're being still. You have got to start praying and seeking God in your own intimate time with God. You know, part of prayer is asking. The Bible teaches us that we have not because we ask not, or when we do ask, we're asking for the wrong reasons. But I'll tell you one thing, asking God to help you hear His voice is something I can guarantee He will grant. Look what Matthew 7 says. Jesus said, which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? I can't think of anything greater than growing to that place of tuning in to God's voice. What a gift. Jesus said, ask it. 
and God will give it to you. Jeremiah 33.3, even more specifically, call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. So you need to pray. Number five, practical thing to do this year to learn how to hear God's voice better is to expect to hear God's voice. Listen, once you've taken your time to be still, Wait on God. Once you've, you're regularly part of the local body of, church, uh, of Christ, you're reading your Bible alone, you're spending time alone in prayer, you have got to expect to hear God's voice. Listen for it. Look for it. Expect it. God is speaking. Now, I want to take a quick moment here to give a warning before I finish with the five main ways that God speaks to us. Really important to understand how God speaks to us. You need to know there is nothing probably more important in your life than deciphering clearly the voice of God. But here's the warning. God will most likely not speak what you are expecting Him to speak. You know, we all want a word. We all want somebody to just speak a good word. God, speak a word. You will find that God most often deals with us first before speaking a word. We want direction. We want blessing. We want favor. God wants holiness. And until He has that, He won't be wasting His time giving you a bunch of directions for where you need to go when the first thing you need to do is repent. Remember? Second time, we see God address Adam. He's warning him. He's telling him what not to do. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, this, it really cuts off the voice of God immediately in your life if you're not willing to heed what God does, what God says. Look at what Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 and 8 say. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. Look at that statement. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. Teaches us something about the voice of God. Our natural reaction is to harden our hearts to it. It was true in Genesis chapter 2, and it's true today. You know, the Bible teaches us that in the end, that things will grow worse, and that people will heap to themselves teachers that will tell them what they want to hear. That's what people want. They have something they want to hear. And I ask you the question concerning what you'd like to hear. Do you, is there something you want to hear, or do you just want to hear God? Do you really just trust that whatever God has to say, it's going to be best? So I don't care. God, if it's rebuke, God, if it's change, God, whatever it is, Lord, I'm not going to harden my heart to what you want to say to me. That's the warning. Often God's heart, uh, voice will make you want to harden your heart. 
how bad do you really want to hear it? Now, in closing, I want to deal with five primary ways that God speaks to his children. I mean, how can you know if it's God? How can you know if it's not just you, just your thoughts? Because God does speak to us directly. How can you know for sure is God speaking to me? I want us to look at the five primary ways that God speaks to his children, and then I'm going to finish with kind of a rule of thumb on how do you know if it's God. Number one, the first primary way God speaks to his children is through his word. This is it, guys. This is the primary way. It's not the only way. Yes, God does speak to us directly. But this is the primary way. I've said it once and I'll say it again. God will never speak to you directly to do something that's not here. And furthermore, if it is here, why would He need to tell you directly? Why would you need any revelation? God, do you really want me to quit stealing? Stop it. Read the book. Yes, he does. He doesn't need to give you a word. You don't need to hear from God on that matter. God said, do not be unequally yoked. God, I'm a Christian, but do you really not want me dating and, and linking up with this non-Christian? Speak to me, God. He has. It is Word. This is why you need to know the Word of God. This is why you need to be in it. This is why you need to be studying it. God's primary way of speaking to us is through the Bible. Number two, God does speak to us personally and directly through prayer. Now when I use the word prayer, I mean the communication between me and God. I mean similar to what happened with Adam and God, the way that they just walked and talked together. I think prayer is meant to be this back and forth, not a one-way conversation. God speaks to us through prayer. You'll find that when you start learning to get away and be, be still, spend some time in your quiet place, talk to God as much as you need to, but learn to sit there and be quiet and listen to that still small voice, you'll find that God speaks to you there. We're often wanting God to speak through the major things, right? We want some major sign in the sky. And we want the clouds to spell out for us whatever God's wanting us to do. But the reality is it just doesn't work that way. I wouldn't say never. I think God can do anything He wants. But I'm just telling you biblically, that's just not the way it normally works. You remember the story of Elijah where he's hiding in a cave and he's all scared and whining and says, God, I'm the only one that really serves you anymore. And Eventually, God shows up and rebukes him, but before that happens, there's an earthquake, and Elijah's thinking, God's in the earthquake. Nope, he's not there, and a fire, and a whirlwind, and God wasn't in any of those major things. The Bible says, then came the still, small voice. This great, almighty, omnipotent, powerful God chooses to speak to his sons and daughters in a still Small voice. And yes, God will speak to you directly in your place of prayer. Number three, the third way that God speaks to us is through our desires. And you've got to listen to me carefully when I explain this. 
Psalm 37 and verse 4. It says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 37, 4, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. So, a couple of really important things about that verse. Number one, delight yourself in the Lord. That word delight it just means to lavish. It means it's like to, to love something so much that that thing is what makes you get joy. It says delight in the Lord. Now, if that's not the case, whatever's going on in your life, don't follow your desires. Now, I want you to see something else. So the promise is first and foremost only to those who truly delight in the Lord. But notice what follows. He will give you the desires of your heart. I'm going to tell you what I believe that means, and how I personally interpret this verse. I don't believe it means that as long as you love God, God's going to give you whatever you want. What's your desire? Granted. What's your desire? Granted. What's your desire? Granted. I don't think that's what it's teaching us. I think what it means and what it's teaching us is that when we love God, when we delight in Him, He begins to give us desires. He puts in us the desires of our heart. He gives them to us. I think a very possible kind of New Testament um, fulfillment of this we'll find in Romans chapter 12 where we see the giving of gifts, right? The Holy Spirit gives each of someone, members of the body gifts, different. So God gives one person the gift of teaching. You're going to find all of a sudden he puts that gift and there's a desire in your heart that's like, I have to get this out. Or whether it's the gift of giving, you, there are people that God gives that gift and it's like they just desire. It makes them feel good to be giving and to be generous and to help others or showing mercy or leading. Or well, You will find that God, when we love God, when we cherish Him, He gives us desires. Now the reason this is important is because sometimes God speaks to us or leads us, if you want to use that word, through the desires of our heart. You can see why it's important to have a well-rounded understanding, though, of how God speaks so that we're not just chasing after our desires. Number four, God speaks to us through the counsel of elders. Look what Proverbs eleven fourteen says. Where there is no guidance, a people fall, but in abundance of counselors, there is safety. Excuse me, victory. Look at that word, victory. Nope. Safety. The next one's victory. Proverbs 24, verse 6, For by wise guidance you can wage your war, and in abundance of counselors there is victory. Notice that both of these passages in Proverbs teach us that when we have an abundance of counselors, there is safety and victory. Now, I say the counsel of the elders because you want to be careful who your counsel is. I mean, you can get anybody to tell you what you want. You search long and hard enough, you'll find somebody that agrees with you. The opposite of this is Proverbs 12, 15. It says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. He don't need any advice. But a wise man listens to advice. What I'm telling you is one of the ways God speaks to us is through the counsel, the wise collective counsel of biblical elders. 
And I cautiously use that term to basically mean this. Men and women who have proven through their living that they believe the Word of God, they follow the Word of God, they love the Word of God, and they are true and time-tested. That's who you want, and you want a multitude of them that, that are part of your life that can give you good godly counsel. This is one of the ways God keeps us safe. We talk about victory. We want victory, 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 victory. God says one of the ways that comes is through a multitude of counselors. And then finally, the fifth way that God speaks to us is sometimes through circumstances. Look what Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 and 8 say. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. The Bible teaches us that sometimes, not always, but sometimes, God shuts doors. He just shuts them, and there's nobody, not even you, sir, not even you, ma'am, there's nobody that can open it. Sometimes God opens doors, and nobody can shut them. The simple principle here is that sometimes God actually directs us, leads us, speaks to us, if you want to use that term, through the circumstances that He chooses to have His sovereign control over. So these are the five primary ways God speaks to us. It's important you understand His Word. Does He speak to us directly? Yes, in prayer sometimes, through giving us God-given desires, the counsel of elders, and through our circumstances. Now here's what's important to know. I want to give you a great rule of thumb this morning on you know, how do you know if it's the Word of God? How do, I, how do I know if God's speaking to me? God is not a poor communicator. And a great rule of thumb is that if God is the one that is speaking, probably at least four out of these five are going to be happening simultaneously. If it's just you thinking, God told me to get a divorce because I'm not happy, but the Word doesn't line up, you talk to the council of elders and they're all in disagreement, it's probably not God. If it's just you thinking, I really desire, you know, I, I want to do this thing in my life and I want to do it bad, and Joplin was telling us that God gives us the desires of our heart. Well, let's just hold on a second. Does your desires line up with the Word of God? Is there, you know, does, does, will they lead you into living a life that's consistent with the Word of God? Have you spent any time in prayer? Can you say that you have any inkling at all of God giving you a peace about this in your quiet time? Have you spoken with the council of elders in your life and really got their feedback? And where do they stand on it? And has God opened the door? Or are you trying to kick that thing down because you want it so bad, you're willing to do whatever it takes to get it? When you understand that God speaks to us in a host of ways, and you start tuning in, God, I'm going to be in the Word. God, I'm going to be in prayer. God, I'm going to be seeking you, desiring you above all, and, and starting to really look at what are the desires you've placed in my heart. God, I'm going to share these things, what's going on in my life with, 
godly Christians that can counsel me and kind of get the overall advice. And I'm going to take a look at, are you opening doors or are you closing doors? And I'm just telling you, brothers and sisters, a really safe rule of thumb. If you can point to, yep, three or four out of these things are all happening, there's a very good chance God's speaking to you about the thing. And proceed with caution. In conclusion, I want us to look at where we started in Job chapter 33 and verse 4. One more time. For God speaks in one way and in two, though man does not perceive it. This morning, what is keeping you from hearing the voice of God? Do you not even expect it? Do you live most of your Christian life just making decisions that you think are best and spend very little time really trying to discern the voice of God? Is it busyness? I'll tell you, busyness is going to be one of the main things that keep us as a people. Maybe for, keep us as a people from seeking God like we should, hearing His voice. Maybe one of the main things you need to do this year in your Christian life find a way to make the discipline of being still a part of your life. What's keeping you from hearing the voice of God is a lack of studying His Word, lack of prayer. Whatever it is this morning, I pray that you are truly, truly blessed, stirred, maybe even overwhelmed a little bit at the reality that God, God speaks to you. And that's awesome. But are you perceiving it?